1: Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it's all because of my truly incredible guests. I feel so fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game, and they show up here passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional lives. My guests don't hold anything back. Hmm, Excuse me. They're here to share the secrets of peak performance with us. And I know you'll find their insights both inspiring and actionable. So sit back, relax, get ready to take your life and business to the next level, and take notes. So my guest today, Scott Agnew, in his new book, says the long-term leader doesn't need to control everybody or every situation. They don't need to know everything, and they definitely don't need to be bossy. Scott has dedicated his life to helping leaders discover their greatest potential inside themselves, And his passion is leveraging personal leadership dynamics, I can talk, to make a positive impact on the people around him. And he loves to support his followers to find effective, implementable systems for their business and personal growth strategies. Scott, welcome to your partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Oh, and thank you for sending me your book, Long-Term Leader, The Hidden Secrets of the Power of Soft Skills. I love soft skills. Excuse me. And I'm losing my voice to go from CEO to successful business owner and it is on my desk as we speak.
0: Well, thank you Denise. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate um the time and I'm really, you know, uh excited, if you will, <laughs> to share okay. uh, you know, my my experiences.
1: Yes. Well, we had a terrific conversation just now in my virtual green room, and I kind of wish we could have recorded some of that. But I read your book over the – because we were, we were hitting some high notes there. I read your book over the weekend, and it's an easy read. But, yeah, you know, leadership, and like we were chatting just a, a few minutes ago, leadership means that you have to walk to talk if you're going to say you're going to do something, you darn well better do it. You need to show up. You can't just be a charis- charismatic, charismatic. <laughs> it's going, <laughs> you're going to be doing all the talking. I'm warning you right now. <laughs> you can't be a charismatic salesperson if you can't actually follow through and, you know, make good on those promises. And that's a big deal for a lot of people. They're like, you know, I like this guy. He's kind of funny. He's kind of, you know, I like what he's saying, but uh, this is something a little little off. And I think that yeah. these days we're getting better about, you know, following our instincts.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you talk about um, leadership, what happens is, you know, you sell an idea, a service. Um, you've got a great, you know, product to sell. You have a, you know, you have an amazing system. Um, And, you you know, it gets sold. And now all of a sudden you have a bunch of people that want to utilize your service, your product, whatever it might be. And in order to deliver on the promise that you've (laughs) made, um, you need an organization. You need people to help you. Other people play the role of operationally delivering on the promise that you've made. And so you can see how, You could, you know, somebody could come across a terrific idea, uh, a product, and all of a sudden now they've got this albatross around their neck because now they have to deliver. Now they have to deliver on their promise. And that albatross sometimes is called leadership Um, because now I have to deliver and I have to succeed through other people, not just through my own energy or my own efforts because there's only so much time in a day. Not only do I want to succeed through others, but I want others to succeed and grow while they're delivering the promise, and they themselves then can you know pay it forward and kind of like a halo effect, if you will. Um, so i look at I look at the delivering the deliverable part of an organization as the uh, incubator for future leaders and as a place where Um, You know, people can grow, they're challenged, and they can meet their potential, you know. And it takes a great leader to give people space to do that. And as they do that, what happens is they stay around. They stay around because they feel good and safe and they feel like you're listening to them and they feel like they've got a great place to be. And, you know, 80, what is it, 85% of most People in the workforce are disengaged. Well, why are they disengaged? You know, what's causing disengagement? And I want everybody out there to think this. Instead of thinking control or being smarter or one step ahead of everybody, I want you to think connect. I want you to think connect with your people. And that starts with great communication. And this is what the book's about, being, you know, being clear uh, And just showing up as somebody that, you know, you feel like uh, people can trust. They're going to let you in on what's going on, really going on. And when you do that, then you have an opportunity to have really good collaboration, great, you know, sharing of ideas. And ultimately, the leader has to kind of decide. That's for sure. The leader has to bring vision and authenticity and communication and empathy and integrity and decisiveness and you know great leaders or hold others accountable Uh, they're adaptable they're confident they're creative all these kinds of things they're humble they're passionate that's just to name a few but the real question is how do you do all those things how do you actually you know deliver on a vision and you get out of your own way
1: you really have to get out right. of here. You know what I'm hearing you say, and to just kind of put it in a single sentence, is don't be your own bottleneck. Get out of your way.
0: Would it be, like, here's the theme of the book. I Like, would it be okay if your leadership efforts, you know, just got easier, <laughs> more fulfilling, and, and and more lucrative? Would that be okay? I think and, so. And so often when leaders don't feel like that's happening, right, they're they're not getting their message. People aren't hearing them. Uh, I told them what to do. They didn't follow through. I expected more from what they – the question isn't what you expect and what you know needs to be done. The question is how do you communicate it? How do you communicate in such a way that you have people want to, want to, even commit to or how about this excited to follow through on the, the the you know the vision and the mission that you've laid out how does a coach get his players to play 150 percent right you know um great coaches have a way of communicating to their uh to their players in a way where the players have massive confidence. They have a will to um, play their highest level. How, how do they do that? And that—that's—that's that's the essence, and that's the—that's really the issue. And when I say the how, what I'm not talking about is the words. Words are only seven percent of the message. It's also your voice, your tone, it's your smile. <laughs> it's your eyes it's your body how looks. you show up right it's how you show it's how you show up and that takes a tremendous amount of work that's where the work is because when we just when we're when we when we just react to how we feel internally sometimes that's when we you know we take 10 steps backwards with people as we inch along with them as we gain trust and gain um the ability to influence, if we show up and we blow it one day because we just demonstrate, you know, anger, impatience, or they come with an idea and we discount their idea. Uh, we don't have to discount it by saying, I discount your idea. We can discount it by when they give you an idea, just ignoring the idea and moving on to the next thing. There's a lot of ways that you can de-inflate Uh, your people in terms of their enthusiasm, commitment, right, in terms of their confidence. So it's very important that you become adept at at communication. And the communication, when it's done, you know, done well, uh, Denise, um, people feel connected. And when they feel connected, then it's so much more fun because when they feel connected, they will, you know, they'll go out and play their best game.
1: That makes sense. And listen, and I've seen this. You've seen it. We've probably both done it. But, you know, you will you have a great team. You have great communication with them. Everything is going really well. And then in one stupid sentence or something that you did, all of a sudden you are back to going, oh, geez. And you better apologize and you better mean it. But it's going to take time to get that trust back.
0: Well, you know, and I talk about this in the book, and it's it's there's a little formula, and the little formula is very simple, um, and it's a it's something I've used for for a long, long time, and really, it's let's take a look at what we want to achieve. Let's just take a look at it. Let's take a look at whatever it is, you know. Um, more more customers, uh, you know, higher value, um, more more referrals, uh, a, a higher frequency of using our product or service. Let's take a look at some of the objectives, and then what I want to get clear with my my team is, what do you what do you see when I when I you know when I say we need more 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 of whatever, <laughs> okay, whatever it is, more more more. Because, uh, you know, most businesses are built on more, 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 more. Grow, grow, grow. I'm not sure that's the only strategies you should have, but I do believe that when you're talking about, you know, more, 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 um, you want to make sure that your folks are bought in. So it's important to get feedback on what they see. And I remember um, I remember we I had a scenario where I had my board of directors and we were we had to raise the price of one of our services. And um, every, I thought everybody was bought in. And I asked the question. I said, okay, we've got to raise the price because our costs are going up, inflation, you know, all these kind of things. And um, one of the board members, I said, what do you see? He goes, I see this as a money grab. I see this as something that, uh, the uh, people are not going to like, and I see this as an opportunity to lose a lot of hard-earned customer loyalty. I never even thought of it like that. So I had to listen to him, and I said, okay, so if we've got to raise the price, we've got we've to also add value. And then we brainstormed on adding value, and we came up with some terrific ideas and, and a terrific way to present. And then what? And then the third stage is, you know, the first is look at it. What do you see? And then the next thing is to tell the truth. And the truth might be, um, we really, we really have, um, we, we really have the opportunity here to make our product and our service much better, more robust, and maybe we can bring it to you faster. Maybe we can bring it to you with greater value, more options. Uh, But the point is we're going to do this and we're going to reinvest. We're going to reinvest into our service or our product. We're not just going to grab the profit and run. And, you know, people hear that story, but it, it only resonates when the leader is authentic and real and, uh, you know, over time has demonstrated trustworthiness. And that's how those messages get through. Once your inner circle believes in that, then they'll carry the message forward. Uh, That's why it's so important to have that solid inner circle. And the the fourth stage of what I talk about in the book is, is taking authentic action, not just driven or busyness or... You know, uh, reactionary, but truly authentic. And the authentic thing is usually what's in it for them. How are they going to benefit? How do they? How do they uh, get to experience the value? And when you approach things in that manner, I think you you, you gain a lot of traction, and I think you go so much further um, than um, you know just sitting up in front of the. Bully pulpit, if you will, as a leader, right? And you know, let's go, 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 guys! You know, and that's not it. What What is it? Is you know, at the end of the day, our client, our customer, our vendor, our partner, what's in it for them? How do they benefit from this? What's the value they're they're going to get? I think and that's I'm an so important mindset. It,
1: it is, and communicating that mindset is critical. And this reminds me. Of something that happened two or three years ago, I can't remember exactly now, but it was a, a social media tool that I had used and paid for for years, years, and all of a sudden, we all of us who are using this particular tool—and I'm not going to rat them out—but anybody listening to it who's used them goes, "I know who that is," because we dumped them. We couldn't get out quick enough, but all of a sudden, we get emails saying, "Well, we're going to have to essentially triple your rate." And it's going to happen within 30 days. And there was no lead up. There was no explanation. There was, and I guess enough people said, what the heck are you people thinking? And then they went, oh, we probably should have shared our vision with our our <laughs> <you> know <laughs> customers, which they did not do. And by the time they got around to sharing it, we were so stinking mad that none of us were going back yeah. ever. And we didn't. It yeah. was about the stupidest thing I've seen a big company do. It was just rank stupidity.
0: Well, again, they failed to tell the truth. They had had an agenda, and they could have easily said, you know, this is a trial price. We're going to need to raise your price in three months. Um, We're going to, you know, incrementally uh, bump it along because we want to provide more services, more options, more features. Um, And what about telling the truth in the way of, you know and you can choose those options or features if you want them if not you can stay at the old price so it's always attached to something real rather than just you know the profit grab which is out there so much and all kinds of right. crazy stuff going on out there
1: yeah and i really felt that a lot of us did because we all chat we're like hey let's all get in a circle and talk bad about this company and we did too but <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I, we Well, you know, a lot of us are all in the same industry and we're like, okay, where are you going? You know, we thought we were hunting and we were finding new resources, but yeah. what, you know, one of my thought processes was why can't they grand? if we've been with them 10 years or better, why can't they grandfather us in at the original price? Would that, I, I like your idea better though. It makes more sense.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, uh, if you're a leader, and nobody's calling you, nobody's asking you uh, or giving you referrals or promoting you or inviting you to, uh, you know, speak or share in front of their, you know, their, uh, maybe maybe their partners or whatever. It's the what they don't do that you might want to take a look at because if you're, you know, if, if, if you're not leading well or not communicating or not connecting, it, people don't necessarily say bad things. They just don't continue to show up for you. All of a sudden, they're just gone, and you look around, and where, where is everybody? Because you've broken that, you know, that, that thing has been broken. And what I want to touch on is I want to touch on, if it's okay, what I'm talking about in leadership is, a, is something I call the it factor. If you will. And the it factor, it goes beyond, you know, all the things I just listed. I mean, I could name some more, you know, resilience, positivity, strategic thinking, um, empowerment. Um, You know, a leader should have emotional intelligence. You know, um, they should have influence. They should innovate and they should be servant leaders. And what I touch on in the book, especially at the end, is how do you do those things? How do you demonstrate servant leadership? How do you show up? And you've heard of all these behavioral uh, assessments—Myers-Briggs, uh, DISC, uh, AVA, uh, KPA's—all these different companies that uh, provide behavioral assessments, and they—they're designed to help identify, you know, leaders, managers, artists, um, you know, the different categories of people, and. Those are traits, and what I want to get into is something I call the it factor and really be defined as having behavioral agility, that makes sense, being agile, in being able to show up even when sometimes in your gut you're not feeling super good, you're not feeling good about something, and you show up in this thing called, I talk about it in the book, called okayness no matter what's happening around you. They always say the leader needs to be the calm one, right? The leader needs to be the steady force. Well, when things are going good, it's easy to be the steady force, right? Everything's going good. Everybody's growing. You know, the markets are good. Everything's happening. But what happens when it turns south and people aren't hitting their goals and reaching their objectives? How do you show up in a way where they know you have their back? where they know that you really care about them, that you're listening, that you understand them, and that you're willing to acknowledge their wins or nothing more, sometimes just their effort, even though they may not have won. Um, When the real estate market, you know, nine months ago hit a wall because rates went from 3.5% to 7% in about six weeks, uh, you can imagine how uh, discouraged uh, real estate agents got because nobody was, all of a sudden everybody stopped doing real estate. Well, that's when leadership really shows up. And part of it is, big part of it is they have to believe in the leader. They have to believe in the messenger, the quote leader. That has to do with them being, you know, having behavioral agility to stay in okayness, which primarily preserves and enhances the connection and the trust that um, is required for the, for the agents to stay with you. Because when they lose that trust or they lose that um, connection, they go somewhere else. They leave. They go somewhere else. And this is what happens with employees. It's the same thing. When they don't feel they're being heard, they're, they're not being acknowledged, um, they're just, you know, they, 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 they have a win and the boss says, well, that was good, but can you do more? And they just continue to pile on. All of a sudden, somebody comes along and offers an employee another dollar an hour more and they leave. And they can't understand it. They, they'll say, well, gosh, they weren't, you know, they weren't very loyal. Well, how can you be loyal when you don't feel understood or trusted or you feel like your ideas are being discounted or ignored? Gains loyalty. You know, it's not the money. The dollar an hour just gave them an excuse and a lever to, to go somewhere else because they're what they're really seeking is the things I just talked about. And if they can get a dollar an hour more and feel understood, acknowledged, appreciated, and you know, um, uh, feel like they've got a trusted relationship, that's worth more than that's worth so much more than just the the money uh, to most people. Um, And, you know, don't get me wrong. There are people that will change just because of money. There's no doubt that there are those human beings out there. But 80% of the time, it's about something much bigger. It's about how they feel connected to the organization and the people inside the organization that they work with.
1: I think people tend to forget that companies, businesses, corporations, more than two people in a room we are people. We have thoughts, we have feelings, we have angst, we have bottlenecks, we have the back of our neck itches. We're people. We have to pay attention, not just to what's going on in our own heads. And you don't want to dive into my head. It's murky in there most days. It's a lot of okay. fun, but we'll, it's murky. We'll stay out of there. We'll, we'll stay. <laughs> yeah. People say, what are you thinking? We yeah, you know, people ask me what I'm thinking. I say, you do not want to know it. I'm not sharing. So how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah, yeah. What I'm
1: hearing you say is that it's so important that we pay attention to how we show up and acknowledge how other people show up. And I don't know how that gets kind of lost in the maybe we're just too busy. Maybe we don't know that we have to pay close attention to the people around us. Sometimes we... We're not going to be able to. sometimes people just shouldn't be in your your arena, and you know, cut them loose. but well, there's so many a, things that we great, need to do.
0: Well you have a great point because you know the you know look at the you know I'll go back to sports a little bit. Great coaches are recognized as great coaches primarily because they have great players, <laughs> okay They bring out the best in their players or they put a great player in their unique ability, so that they, ha- they are in a position to have the most impact on the team. Um, you know, Dan Sullivan talks about, uh, who, not how, in a great book, if you, you know, great book to read when you have a problem or a challenge, typically it's a who, who in your organization is the best qualified and has the unique ability to carry out that task or that project. And, uh, so if you're paying attention to what, what I'm talking about is you can have very competent people who, who know how to do things very well, but they don't show up in okayness. They're difficult. They're hard to work with. They're, they're lame. They're annoying. They're, 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 you know They're always about themselves. And so if you're going to build a great team or a great company, when you're interviewing people, instead of just focusing on their accomplishments and their track record, focus on their demeanor. Focus on how they behave and how they show up in the interview. And it's not the words. 90, 90, you know, 93% is their All everything else. Um, I made the mistake of hiring a guy on Zoom once. And when that guy showed up at one of my businesses, um, the way he showed up was like, oh, my God. I got immediate phone calls. You know, who is this guy? What, where did you find this guy? On Zoom, all I could see was his face. <laughs> but when I should have said, can you back away from the camera a little bit so I can see your body language and your mannerisms? And he, had, he was fidgety. He, he, had, um, he had all kinds of issues around just how he showed up that I didn't pick up on Zoom. I couldn't have picked it up, certainly on a phone interview. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if you're going to, um, you know, really be a student of this thing I, I keep calling uh, okayness, which means you show up as an adult with people. You know, I'm okay, and you're okay. You made a mistake. You missed a deadline. It's okay, you know. Uh, it's not okay to keep doing it, but I understand what, you know, what happened. And let's work around it. Let's do what we need to do. The the challenge with a lot of, you know, leaders uh, that, that aren't real leaders, they allow that to go on too long, and then they have a crisis. The, the, what I'm getting at in the beginning is when you bring on the right people, they'll meet the deadline. They'll get things done. They'll do it gladly, easily, joyfully, and it won't feel like they're, ex- they won't come in and go, Oh, I'm exhausted. i worked so hard because they're, if they're the right person for a role, they, they will have energy in that role. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got, I was trying to find uh, a world-class recruiter for one of my businesses and um, my uh my my coach my mentor says well why don't you find somebody that just loves to recruit
1: <laughs> now
0: i've studied every behavioral process you can i'm i'm certified teacher in disc in ava um i'm one of you know six people in the company certified to teach all those behavioral models and the guy says just find somebody that loves to recruit <laughs> and i'm like
1: Really? See, that was just too simple. I do that all the time. (laughs) I'll look at something and go, well, because someone will point it out, and I'll go, oh, gee, head slap. Then I go sit in the corner and lick my wounds because it was so stupid.
0: Right. Right. Have you ever been in an interview where – you're trying to get somebody to do a job, and they're saying, "I don't like that job. I don't want to do that job." And you keep telling them, "Oh, you'd be great at it. You'd be so good at it." <laughs> you know, that's that's <laughs> worth taking a round hole, right?
1: Listen, and, and when you're, I used you're to, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> when I actually used to well, do you're... job hunting a hundred years ago, because seriously, you don't want me in your office. I play with scissors. I don't play well with others, and I won't get your coffee. You can get it your own damn self. Not going to happen. But when I would put out my resumes, every real, not real estate, but insurance company, oh, you'd be a great insurance person. No. Right. Absolutely right. no. <laughs> it was just right. like, I was insulted. Right. What are they seeing in me that they think I can sell insurance? I can't sell anything I don't believe in. No.
0: Exactly. So, so that's what's going on, right? The, it's miscommunication. I'm telling mm. you I don't want to do something and you're you're continuing to convince me that I'd be great at it. well, I'm not going to be great at it if I don't love it. i'm not going to be great at it if it doesn't fit my unique ability. I'm not going to be great at it just because you tell me i'll be great at it, and when you do that, what do you lose? You lose authenticity. you're selling, you're not asking, you're not learning and listening this is this is the this is the essence, if you will, of how organizations uh, start to start to lose their culture they start to lose their ability to be productive because they start putting wrong people in certain jobs because number one they're maybe they're lazy they don't want to interview enough people or they don't want to cast a wide enough net to get enough good qualified candidates and they and and lastly and most importantly they will They will they will hire or make their decision based on what the the interviewee says instead of paying attention to how they say it. Because when you get the right people and they come in, we have a we have a little gal in our office that she she's she's twenty two years old. Um, She uh, you know recent graduate from Arizona State University. She's just absolutely one of these just high energy. But not, you know, not microwave energy. Just a pure, authentic energy. She smiles. She she's she just comes. She just brings it. She has this behavioral agility that I'm talking about, and she has this okayness level. And and she she's been with the company about a year. And, I mean, I send people. You know, they they ask me to you know loan me their uh, loan. I loan my uh, conference rooms to people. I loan my Uh, training room and every time I, every time I do that, this gal has to, you know, set that up. And every time I get the phone call, oh my God, she's amazing. We had a great experience. And all she did was open up the conference room for her or open up the training room and help them get set up on the technology. It wasn't what she did. That's pretty easy stuff. It's how she did it. You know, you've you've come across right, you've come across the technical person that doesn't smile, that's all business, that you know, doesn't even look at you in the eye and all those kind of things. Well, she's the opposite of that. But she does the same function. She just does it in a way where the where the my you know, my friends, my vendors, my coworkers, whoever's using or borrowing walks away feeling like they just had a great experience because it's how she shows up. Not what not necessarily what she does. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And now don't you wish you could bottle people like her? And well, say, Okay, everybody bottle, gather around. The, I want you to do what she does. Show up.
0: Well this this is this is the essence of my book. It's just the opposite of that. Instead of showing and saying, I want you to be like her, what you have to do is find people like her already.
1: Oh, gotcha. That makes more sense. Got it? I got it. Thank but, you.
0: Good, good. Because once you do that, now you're not trying to change other people. When you're a leader and you're trying to change others, it's actually considered a hostile act. When you get somebody that isn't naturally people-oriented and you keep you know, pushing them to be people-oriented, socially-oriented, if you will, that's a hostile act. Instead, find somebody that's already that way. It already shows up that way. And then you've got your player. Bill Belichick didn't sit there and try to teach Tom Brady how to throw a football. He got Brady, and Brady already knew how to throw a football. (laughs) Making sense?
1: It does, and you talk a lot about coaching, and I think I've shared this with you, one of my very dearest friends. I've got about five favorite people in the world, and he's in the top two. And that's Jim Tunney. He's known as the Dean of NFL Referees. And, you know, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. And he will talk Mm -hmm. a lot about Coach John Wooden, don't we all? I mean, that man Mm -hmm. is the gold standard.
0: Well, think of John Wooden's demeanor.
1: He's very humble.
0: Instead of thinking of his brilliance, which he was, and the pyramid of success that he, you know, I mean, how cool was the – Pyramid of success. That's a that's a cornerstone for leadership and self leadership. But if you really pay attention to John Wooden, and you said the word humble, he always showed up in okayness. Mm -hmm. He was never even if they were behind, if they lost, if they got defeated. Okayness. This is the power of what I'm talking about. Because, like I said, anybody can be okay when things are going well. But when things aren't going well, how do you show up? And that's what I want the, the listeners to take away. This is a, in fact, can I just tell you that I was the guy that didn't show up so great in my early days as a leader. I was a great salesperson, but I wasn't a great leader. So I, had, I was really always falling short on the delivering side, but I was growing like crazy because I you know could tell the stories, right? But so this, this is where the book was born from because, you know, if you're going to do it long-term, if you're going to be in the game a long time and it's going to be easy and lucrative and fun, you have to have a great team around you. And if you're not the kind of person, if you're a John Wooden, then guess what? You get to recruit Lou Alcindor, one of the greatest scorers in all of NBA history known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all right? And he recruited him because of who he was. He also recruited him because they had just built poly Pavilion, <laughs> and, 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 and Lou Alcindor loved the new stadium. That helped, but he still couldn't have gotten him if it hadn't been for John Wooden. And his demeanor is the way he showed up
1: interesting I'm going to go back that is actually I'm not saying interesting in a kind of throwaway that is very interesting (laughs) and you just gave me a lot to think about but I'm going I knew I had to to clarify that because it sounded kind of uh, okay I did not mean it that way. but I'm going back to go ahead I'm sorry
0: I was on a podcast with a guy um, and I started talking about this And the guy that was doing the podcast actually just, he kind of got it. The light bulb went on. And this is what he said. He goes, oh, my God, when I go in and have meetings with my team, I know that I literally suck the air out of the room. That's what he said. After we got through having this, and I said, is that your goal? He goes, absolutely not. I said, and you're brilliant, man. You're smart. You know everything. And you're sucking the air out of the room? what kind of performance do you get what kind of commitment do you have and he t- admitted he had high turnover because of that this was on a podcast a guy that does business leadership stuff and he had a self awareness in the in the podcast which i thought was i felt so gratified that he got what i was talking about and i could tell he got it because he owned it he was willing to tell the truth about his own the style and how he showed up with his team it was very, very uh satisfying to me because I think now he's got something he can play with. Now he's got something he can work on. Now he's got a game worth playing. What's the game worth playing? Showing up. Consistent. Like John Wooden. <laughs> Showing up. Kids like some right. of the leaders that you that you know, Gandhi never got upset. <laughs> You I mean, just think about it, you know that way.
1: Yeah, I never understood that. I like to get upset. <laughs> I just go outside. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. I, I go outside and I, you know, go out and kick a tire, and then I'm over it. But it's brief. But yeah, sometimes you yeah. Just have to whatever works. I mean, whatever that's works. Right.
0: We don't, whatever but works.
1: You actually just described by talking about this this podcast host that that you're with, why I do what I do with this podcast, because, and I, you know, I said at the top, many, most of my guests become my mentors in so many ways, and honestly, I feel like I failed my guests and my audience if I didn't learn at least one aha moment or one thing, and oftentimes it's two or three, and I'm scribbling them down, going, ooh, ooh, ooh. And you just helped me with that. So thank you very much. I wanted to go back, Scott, to the very beginning of your book. And we're talking about John Wooden. And we're talking, I mean, he's he left a legacy. But you, and I'm at the introduction. So grab, audience, grab the book, read it. It's an easy read. It's a fun read. But there's a lot of, oh, my gosh, let me, you know, give me my sticky notes. Give me my my markers. I've got to write this down you talk about how very few books, seminars, or conversations are, are built around this critical and ultimate question. And that that question is, who you attract to be part of the vision? And this is what had me going, oh, it hurt my tummy, to be honest. What happens to your ideas when you're gone? The legacy question is the ultimate question. So let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know... Um beyond the glory of your ego and fame and all those kinds of things, what are you actually paying, you know, paying forward? What, you know, what, who are you, who are you, you know, uh, who are you uh, uh, encompassing in your world where you can pass on this idea of okayness and this idea that we can accept things, this idea that we can, Actually, listen and see value in everybody. This idea doesn't mean they're the right person for a job, but you can still find value in people. Everybody matters. They matter differently. They're not. They don't all matter the same at the same level. When you're, you know, hiring an engineer or hiring somebody to, you know, a, a driver to drive people back and forth from the airport, doesn't matter whatever role they have. But the legacy you leave behind is the people that you've put in, you know, had attracted into your world that have stayed in your world and been part of your world for a long time. And then they usually have great careers, families. They contribute. They make a difference. They do things to make the world better. And it starts at the top with you as the long-term legacy leader, if you will. And being that legacy leader doesn't mean you just burn through people. It means you start with the right people and then you just germinate and fertilize and put water and nutrients on their already okay demeanor because you've hired and you brought people in that are already in a good place. You know, some people would call it attitude, but it's more than just attitude. Uh, Some people would call it being nice, but it's more than being nice. Some people would call it, you know, showing up as a true, you know, somebody who cares, but it's more than just showing you care because there are people who care who are a pain in the ass. There are people, right, there are people who.
1: um, I know those people. Right, they're
0: friendly, but they're they're inauthentic. You know, they're blowing smoke at you there there are people that are uh, overthinkers they, they they they're brilliant but they overthink things to the point where you you don't even want to listen to them
1: but it also this, paralyzes this is, everybody in the room them and yeah. whoever's trying yeah. not to listen to them
0: yeah think about and think about who you follow who do you follow typically who do you connect with what what uh musical artist um what actors do you connect with what um you know uh vendors do you connect with um what you know people that provide you insurance and real estate and all kinds of services who are the kind of people you want to connect with you want to connect with a brilliant guy that makes makes you feel like you're dumb because you don't know what he knows or she knows or do you want to connect with the guy that no matter what you say as a client you're accepted you're acknowledged. You're listened to. You're heard. Who do you want to follow? And just think about it, and try to become that person. Try to become somebody that um, you want to be around. Become the guy that when you when you call people on the phone, they answer the phone because <laughs> they want to talk to you. You know, just think about it like that. And
1: so it's a mindset, all, isn't it? You have to understand who you are. You have to dig. You have to go. Okay, I'm getting some kind of icky nose, and I don't know why I'm getting nose. Or this is a big one. I'm Lord. attracting people that I flat ass don't like. Excuse the language. Yeah, it's right. you. It's not them. It's you. Find That's out what's right. going That's on. That's right.
0: That's right. If you th- and th- you know, here's a good exercise. You know, write down two or three people who you admire. Okay. Um, uh, Denise, think of two people you admire. You don't have to give me their names. It doesn't matter. Just think of two people you really admire. Okay, got it? Got Got it. Okay. What is it you admire about them? Okay.
1: Their authenticity, seriously. What they say they're going to do, they do. They show up the same all the time. They're not saying, okay, this is a trend. I have to be excitable. I have to be, I have to do this. No, you don't. You have to be you. I'm either going to like you or I'm not. It's really that simple. But you can't just try on different personalities because social media is indicating that maybe you're doing something wrong. You have to be you all the time. And you have to be consistent with it.
0: So the people that you think about, okay, the, the two people that you that came to mind, and when I asked you what what it was, it was an attribute. It was a demeanor. It was a behavioral uh, message that you got from them more than just what they did. And here's what's important. If you can recognize that in others, then that means you have it in yourself. So what we see in others is what we see in ourselves. And, you know, that's old school stuff. Everybody knows that, but I think we forget it. And I think it's important to remind ourselves, yes, when we are surrounded with people that we don't like or we're not resonating with, we're creating a hard, you know, lame and annoying type of <laughs> environment, that's a reflection on us because we look up and that means, you know, you know we, need to, we need to make some distinctive uh, shifts in how we show up. And that what I'm talking about can be learned. I'm not saying it can't be it can't be learned, but what I'm saying is the person has to have the desire to be better. The person has to have a need to do the right thing, to show up the best way they can. They have to have that desire, and once they have that desire, then you can go to work on the, you know, on on the house. Think of it like this: Tiger Woods can have you watch him and say, okay. This is how you hit a golf ball. Boom. And he hits it and it goes straight up in the air. It goes down the straight down the fairway, 290 yards, 300 yards, straight as an arrow, and then he hands you the same club and he goes, okay, just do what I just did. Takes practice, doesn't it? And he, focus. he hit thousands. He hit thousands of golf balls, thousands and thousands of golf balls. He didn't. He, he had the desire to be great. He had natural ability. But he still had to work at it. That's, that's what this, this book is about. It's about being an exceptional leader, not just being an okay leader or a good leader or just getting by. It's about being exceptional. And that's how you stay in the game a long, long time. And when you stay in the game a long, long time, all the resources and wealth and riches of the world come your way. And that's, and you can have fun <laughs> along the way. You can have a good time, and not only that, but all those around you are having a good time because that's important. you're setting that. You're setting the tone. It's everything. Right.
1: It's you're everything. collaborating you rather than. than yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're playing off. You're playing off the people around you, rather than making them play off of you it's a It's a huge difference, and all your job is is to make sure you get the right people around you because you want to play off great people. Belichick loved playing off Tom Brady <laughs> you know
1: imagine why
0: wouldn't
1: you? well, and you know you you've really shared some great points that you know collaboration is more powerful than competition you know. Don't bully people. You didn't actually say this, but, you know, don't jump into a room and start, you know, demanding that people do this and that and the other. I don't know about you, but you can't tell me what to do. I fight with my NAV system. She's not the boss of me. That doesn't work <laughs> with a lot of people.
0: That's <laughs> so right. That's right. You need to yeah.
1: collaborate yeah. and you need to say, okay, let me hear what you've got to say. Listen, some of the best idea I've got, you know, in my business, in the, I have a team, my team is... They're all contractors and they work here, there, and yonder. I've never actually physically met any of them. And some of them have been with me for a decade or better. But once I got out of my own way and realized that I was the bottleneck, because, look, I have a a computer science degree. I don't ask them to do anything that I can't do myself. Should I do it? No. And it took me way longer than, than it should have for me to figure that out. I was always in their way. So finally... I said, what is it that you see? Because I hire people who deliberately hire people who are better at something than I am. That way I can hand it off. But I didn't. You know, I'm an A-type personality, and I kept saying, oh, you know, just do it this way, do it this way. And they would do it, but, you know, feet were being dragged. I was like, oh. So finally I went, would you talk to you that way? No. So I said, what are you seeing? What kind of ideas do you have? And it broke open like crazy.
0: There I just you go. Had to get out you know, of what own you way. What, you know, when you when you ask instead of direct. Yeah. That's that's one of the first steps towards connection. Don't you think? Well, it
1: took me a long time to figure that out.
0: Mhm. That's what I'm talking about. It took Tiger Woods a long time to be the best golfer in the world, even though he already had a natural ability. Because there is a, you know, there is a kind of a set kind of behavior that most leaders have. They're pretty direct, you know, they're straightforward, they like to get results through other people. They, they they have a they already have a profile. But the question is how do they use that profile? Right? How how do they how do they show up in such a way where people are actually following them and being influenced by by that person. There's a lot of leaders out there that aren't really leaders. They're directors, they're kind of dictatorial, um, or they have a position and people don't take them seriously. And so, and I see this a lot. I see this a lot in business where people have a position and they think because I'm the boss, you have to do what I tell you to do. Well, we know in this day and age that doesn't fly. That's not how it's done. You know, I don't, because I'm the boss, I expect you to be grateful that you have your job. Come on. You know, there's an employment crisis in this world. People can go to work anywhere. You've got to show up as the kind of leader where people want to work in your environment. They want to be part of your environment. You know, work's a major part of people's lives. They want that environment to be really, really good. And what is that show, What is that like? When they show up, they know that whatever they do is, you know, they, they show up and they feel safe. They feel protected. They feel like they can be themselves, they don't have to walk on eggshells, they don't have to say yes when they mean no they 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 have this they have the, they're invited right to be real because the leader is real
1: excellent so and, i mean
0: you yeah. you
1: are just basically reinforcing everything we've been talking about, Scott, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your career <laughs>
0: Well, this is the biggest lesson. It's that it's the biggest lesson and the most important lesson, the cornerstone of everything is that um, when you show up the right way, you, you show up with high energy. Uh, you show up with, I, I'll say it a different way. You show up in a higher frequency. You show up in a way where you're kind of a, attractive. You're kind of more of a magnet, you know. You, you, you have a big smile on your face. You're happy. You're glad to be there. You know, you're not reluctantly going to the mixer because you have to. You're going because you're excited to learn about other people. I struggled with this for years because I'm not I'm a natural introvert, believe it or not. Naturally, I could I could be in a cave and be happy.
1: Oh, well, you and me both. You know, when
0: you're, yeah, when you I am leader, such an introvert. When you're a leader, you don't get to be in a cave, right? You have to be with other people. And so now I say I get to be with other people instead of I have oh. to I get I get to be. Why? Because I'm showing up as a communicator, which means I'm learning from others. I'm not acting on what they say. I'm not blindly accepting what they say. I'm not, I'm not. You know, adopting every suggestion or anything like that, but I'm actively listening to them, and then, and then, and there's a good exercise. The next, you know, and you're you're very adept at this. But the next time any leader listening to this podcast, when you ask somebody a question, ask them a follow up question, and then ask them another follow up question, and then if you really want to nail it, ask them a fourth follow up question before. You give any advice, tell your own story, teach, you know, teach them something, give them some instruction or a directive. At the end of the fourth question, say, wow, that's amazing, and be silent and let the other person go. You'll be amazed how you ignite energy in other people when you do that. Most conversations are not two-way. Most conversations are one-way. I tell you something and you got to tell me something about yourself. I tell you something, you got to tell me something about yourself. And that's how most conversations go. That's not bad. It's just
1: not you know, it's just not optimal. No, optimal that's dating. Reason. That's not yeah. you know, building business. <laughs> that's
0: right. There you go. That's a great one. It's dating rather than having this, you know, you know, my wife and I we we have a ritual. We have coffee in the morning and um I've got all these groups of guys where I could go, you know, hang out with coffee, you know, these guys. And, you know, it's nothing but a bunch of, you know, BS and stories and pontification about how, you know, they got this guy to do that or they got a bargain on this or that or the other thing. And you just, I guess, you know, as you you grow, you you realize that those conversations are very unfulfilling. And I can sit with coffee, you know, in the morning with, with my wife, Patty, and we can just have a real conversation. I ask her questions, she asks me questions. I don't say something to her and then she starts telling me how she did the same thing. You know, I'll say something and she'll 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 respond, "Oh, yeah, I remember you did that. Yeah, I remember you you did that and that and that." Oh. So now I know she's listening. Now I know she's interested. Now I know she cares without saying it. <laughs> You know what I mean? But that's the, the
1: connection. Right. This is the connection that right. you and I have been talking about. Once people listen to you, they watch you, they understand you, they understand that you're doing the same for them, it's hard to break that connection. It can only grow.
0: Well, the, the, the question is how do you do that? See, that's the that big question. That is the question. The, yeah. Yeah, it's how do you do that? I mean, you, you, you know, supportive leadership. Uh, giving people autonomy, giving them recognition and feedback, setting clear expectations. These are all ways, these are the what's on how to keep your employees engaged. The question is, how do you support them as a leader? How how do you show them autonomy? How do you recognize them? How do you give them whatever you want to call it, feedback or reinforcement? And how do you set clear expectations. How do you do that? Do you dictate it? Do you write it on a board and tell them this is the way it is? Or do you work with them to come up with a collaborative idea that you can both, you both feel like you're winning and they feel like they helped script it. They it's like handing somebody a paintbrush and having them paint their goals. And what because it's for their reasons, right? It's for what they want. You said it earlier. You don't like being told what to do. No. Guess what? Nobody does.
1: <laughs> I figured. Guess what? Blinding
0: that- glimpse of the obvious.
1: <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes being told what to do. <laughs> but I'm very you know, mouthy about it. <laughs> I will just tell you to back up and in fact I'll tell you to go to another zip code and do it now. <laughs>
0: Well, that's because you're authentic, and, and, and you, you know, authenticity has two, two sides, right? Uh, being direct has two sides. You know, a direct person says, well, I'm just being truthful. I'm being realistic. I'm being honest with you. On the other side, they're going, you're being mean to me. <laughs> you're being harsh. <laughs> you're, you're being judgmental, but, and that's where the miscommunication is, uh... is. See, that's the miscommunication. When we behave a certain way, we feel justified in our behavior, and then we discount the other person because they don't accept the way we show up. We discount them. Oh, they don't. They, they, they have thin skin, they're too sensitive. They don't get it. No, that's not it at all. It's that the leader doesn't get it. The leader can still be direct, but they can be cool, have the okay demeanor and be direct. I'll give you an example as a broker. In a real estate office, how many times do you think I get real estate agents in my office that want to do things outside the parameters of ethics and legality in the name of getting a deal done? How many times do you think I've had those conversations? You know, can I do oh, this? Oh, Can I do this? Right. Right? Think about it. Right? And I'll sit there and I'll say, I hear you. I I completely hear you. I completely understand you, you know, and I'll say you can't do that, but I hear you, and I know where you're coming from, and I know why you want to do what you want to do, but you can't do that.
1: <laughs> and I won't you give I mean? you bail money, yeah, so don't ask for bail money. <laughs> no, i leave
0: that part out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, that's where you and I differ.
0: <laughs> Again, that's remember I said I don't that's have any filters. That's the judgment filter. part we're trying to get away from.
1: <laughs> I just think right.
0: you can't do that. You know, but, you know, and, you know, you've got to try another way, you've got to figure out another way, you just can't do that, but I understand where you're coming from, I really do, because I've had those same thoughts, it's just the, you know, the problem is it's a regulated industry and the law won't allow it, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the challenge, that's, and that's why we have consumer protections, uh, and that's why we, you know, that's why you have to get a license. And that's why you need to, you know, uh, renew your license every three years so that you stay abreast of the changing laws and requirements and, you know, all the things that, you know, you know that are held in your uh, pur- purview because you are dealing with the public, helping them buy or sell a major, major investment that, they, that they've made in their lifetimes. In some cases, a person's only real asset You've got to handle that with care. You've got to handle that with, with the proper integrity. And so I'm here to help you make sure that you're in those boundaries. uh, But not to, not to put you down, not to make you feel stupid, not to make you feel like, you know, um, you shouldn't be in the necessarily in the business. Uh, and, And, and don't get me wrong, Denise, I've let plenty of real estate agents go. I've, you know, I've sent them packing because they didn't get it. They weren't able to understand why they couldn't do something that was outside the parameters of the ethics or of the law. They they actually just couldn't understand it. And if they if they couldn't understand it, then they had to go. They couldn't be in my organization. And many of them I'm still friends with. <laughs> you know, I have. I have. I think 16 former managers that have come back to work with me in different capacities that I let go over the years because they still know I care about them. That doesn't mean that the job or the role was right for them, though. No. And this is, great leaders can distinguish, make the distinguishment between a person's, you know, intention and their heart and whether or not they're the right person for the role. There's a clear distinction and that's why accountability having a really good, authentic, okay accountability meeting every week or,
1: you know, regularly,
0: regularly, whatever is required, is so important because you don't want the person to feel judged. You just want to measure them against the standard that you expect. And that's all. And that's all perfectly
1: reasonable. That and it, Correct. I'm, and I think correctly guessing that you didn't learn all this just because you walked into an office said, you know, I own this place and I know everything, I suspect that you had some memorable moments or experiences in your career that were either really great and that you can still celebrate or really rotten that you're still learning from. But we're out of time. Well, I can give you... So I can give, go, ahead okay. to, go ahead. I was going to give you a, a story. A few more minutes. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> so, I uh, one day, uh, I had a you know, I had a high-level manager, CEO working for me, and uh, his. We were talking about his compensation, and uh, he came to me and he said, you know, he felt like his compensation um, was was too low, and all these kinds of things. And so I made a deal with him, and I I said, if you hit certain parameters, um, you know, you'll make more money, et cetera. Well, about. Six months after we had that conversation, I got this scathing email from this guy, scathing, attacking my t- character, my, you know, you're a liar, you know, all this kind of stuff. And what what I had done was I was keeping track in my mind of what he was doing, you know, the parameters, and I was marking it down and I was tracking it, and he was falling short of all the parameters. And he was a very talented guy, and I really considered him kind of almost a friend, and I really respected him. And here he just blasted me in this email. And he said I owed him like $80,000 in a bonus, okay? Well, I could have reacted several different ways to that, couldn't I? You know, like you fell short, you didn't make, you didn't hit the goal. You know what I did? I said, uh, the check's in the mail, and it's my bad because I wasn't clear enough on what the expectations were. We did memorial.